So I've called this talk the four components for a blessed life, or you might want to think of it as uh, blessing is kind of on the other side. Is that better? I think my hair might have been getting in the way or something. So, um, I'm sorry, my mic just threw me there. So, let me just start off by saying, when I get a new Bible, the first thing I like to do is read it from cover to cover. And I kind of read a, a chapter from the Old Testament and a chapter from the New Testament. And just, just read it through. It's just something I do. And uh, I had wanted for ages uh, an amplified version of the Bible. And the amplified version gives kind of a nice rounded view of what was actually the translation from the Hebrew and the Greek. And it kind of gives you a good sort of working understanding of what is in the Word. And so as I was reading some years ago my new Amplified Bible, this little phrase kept coming up. It kept coming up in the Old Testament and it kept coming up in the New Testament and it was coming up around people who were really a blessed people. And this phrase was to believe in, to rely on or lean on, to adhere to or to trust in God. And so I want us to consider this little uh, phrase uh, this morning and maybe sort of unpack it a little bit. Because you know what, church? God wants you to be blessed. He is for you and he wants great blessing for you. And so if these people in the Old Testament and the New Testament were a blessed people, then I think we can learn something about this idea of believing in of, of, of leaning on, of adhering to and trusting in God. So I'm going to read um, from Daniel in a second, but I want to give you a little bit of a background because I never like to assume everybody knows the Bible stories of the Bible. So there's this guy, Daniel. He's a holy man, a very wise man. And uh, there's a whole thing that goes on where he sort of gets elevated and elevated and elevated uh, and becomes sort of second in command to the king. And the other wise men of this uh, realm in Babylon, they don't like that. It really gets up their nose. And so he ticks them all off and they conspire against him to have him killed. And they try and do this by having him thrown in a lion's den. Okay, well, this greatly distresses the king because the king really likes Daniel. And so he actually stays up all night fasting and praying to Daniel's God that Daniel might be delivered from the lion's den. That's pretty something, isn't it? You know? And so never think that your prayers go unheard. Never think that it's not worth fasting and praying for something to the Almighty God. So anyway... The king gets up really early the next morning and rushes down to this lion's den to see if his second in command is still there. And we're going to um, pick the story up there. And I think it's going to come on your screen. Then Dan Daniel said to the king, Long live the king forever. My God has sent his angel to shut the lion's mouth so they have not hurt me because I was found innocent and blameless before him and also before you. O king, you very well know I have done no harm or wrong. 
Then the king was exceedingly glad and commanded that Daniel be taken up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den and no hurt of any kind was found on him. Because, get ready and see if you can hear this, he believed in, he relied on, and he adhered to, and he trusted in God. Okay, so that's somebody from the Old Testament. There's lots, go look us up for yourself. Um, and let's think of somebody from the, from the New Testament. So Paul, in Romans 9.33, he, he's, he's, he's writing and he's talking to the Romans about Jesus. And he's trying to explain who Jesus was because we know Jesus was the, 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 the capstone that the builders rejected and yet the very thing that the Almighty God sought to build his church on. And in verse 33, he's talking about this and I'll read from there. As it is written, behold, I am laying in Zion a stone that will make men stumble, a rock that will make them fall. But he who believes in him, who adheres to, who trusts in and relies on him shall not be put to shame or be disappointed in his expectations. Church, there's a lot of us in life go around with disappointed expectations, expectations that, you know, we hoped for this, but we got that. And this is not the way Jesus wants you to live. Jesus came that we might have life and have life abundantly. He wants to bless. And I wonder, would you come with me today on a little journey to sort of truffle hunt uh, into this little phrase? And let's see, because I think God's got some things to teach us. So, believe in God. What does that actually mean? You know, we're all sitting in this room and we're all on different stages of our journey. We're all in different places. And, you know, some people will have an emphasis in their heart on one thing and another person will be drawn to another. You see, we test out our beliefs and our understandings um, through our life's experience. And it can, can shape uh, not only how we see each other, but it can shape how we see God. I'll give you an example. I had a very dear uh, person in my life, and they were blessed. You know, they got a new house, and their dream in, in, in their life was that they had an ensuite bathroom. That was like for them, they felt like they'd arrived if they got this ensuite bathroom. And they got this house and it had an ensuite bathroom and they were so very, very blessed. And we were talking about it and she said, you know, I just feel so blessed, but I wonder what the kicker is. And I thought, what? I wonder what the kicker is. Because this person in their mind had formed a belief of God that he gives and takes away and he gives and takes away and he gives and takes away. And they didn't know in a, in a holistic, rounded way that God is a God of love. And if he ever takes away, <clears throat> it's only for, for good, not for bad. And so this person's experiences in life had led them to perceive or believe God in a certain way. And I wonder, what do you believe about God? 
You see, it's the devil's design to warp our belief. It's the devil's design and he's good at it. You know, if you get a disappointment, if you get a crisis to make you think, oh, well, God doesn't care. You know, maybe some of the things that have happened to you make you believe that God is uncaring or tight or vengeful or mean or he's just waiting to pull a rug out from under you. Maybe the Holy Spirit is touching some of your hearts as I'm saying these things. And I want to ask you, does your belief, and be real with God here, because we've all got warped beliefs. We've all got things that don't quite line up. Does this line up with the word of God? What does the word of God say about himself? Beloved, let me tell you a few things. This took me like 10 minutes going through a wee concordance, just having a wee flick through. You know, we are so resourced today. You can Google God's faithfulness and you'll come up with, you know, 547 verses of where God is faithful. We're the most resourced and yet I wonder, are we, are we getting quite lazy? You know, very few of us, and I know it became a sort of fashion thing that we don't bring our Bibles to church. And you know what? Can I encourage you to do that? Because I reckon if you open your Bible, you know, in, in, on a Sunday, you're maybe more likely to go back and look at it and open it on a Monday and a Tuesday and a Wednesday. So whether you use a tablet, whether you use an actual book, can I encourage you, bring it to church. Here's some things that God says about himself. He is your shield. He is your strength. He is your portion. He is your deliverer. He is your ever-present help in time of trouble. He is gracious and compassionate. He is slow to anger and rich in love. And he has compassion on everything that he has made, from the tiniest little flea to the you know, most amazing big boss in their skyscraper in New York. He has compassion on all that he has made. He's gentle and meek. He's humble of heart. He promises us rest and he is faithful. And even if your mother and your father forsake you, he will never forsake you. He is with you. He is your guide. He is your comfort. So let me ask you again, what do you believe of God? Maybe you're recognizing, you know, there's some of your belief systems that are a wee bit skewed or you're seeing them through a, a, a certain filter. Well, what do you do about that? Because I am one of these people, I love an application of the word. I think it's so important. Would you know what you do? You set aside, you, you know, what you're doing. You make some priorities and to make room for God. Get into the word you see, if you've been in the Word and you're reading all these things about God's faithfulness and, and, and reading about how much he loves you and you're meditating on that, it actually is just like a nice big wash out and a, like a blow dry for your mind. Meditate on the Word of God. Meditate on its truth for there is power in the Word of God. There is power. You know, the Bible tells us that Jesus is the Word made flesh. And so if you put that in converse, 
The flesh is the word. Meditate on the word of God and you will know who Jesus really is. So that's the first point. The second one then, that's to believe in God. Say, believe in God. Okay, try that again. You're all half asleep. Believe in God. Much better. And this one is to rely on or to lean on God. You see, if I'm going to rely on something, I need to have a certain confidence in it, don't I? So I could have um, confidence that one of these things is going to take my weight and my belief will feed into that. You know, will, will my belief of a cardboard box takes my, take my weight? Or will my belief of a stool take my weight? It's a very, very simple thing. And I want to ask you, what are you confident in? You see, <laughs> that was glamorous, wasn't it? Just did that for effect. Some of us are confident in our own understanding. Some of us place our confidence in places where we shouldn't place it. Our own intelligence, our money, our contacts. What are you placing your confidence in? You know, there's an old hymn, or a, it's actually from Matthew, the wise man built his house upon the rock and the rains came tumbling down and the floods came up but the house on the rock stood still. You see, when you're placing yourself on a firm foundation, when your confidence is in something solid, then you can just go through life and be blessed and know that you're on something solid, on something firm. You know, it's interesting because in a storm, it's the things that we, you know, have a, a strong root system and a, and a deep foundation that weather the storm. And we will have storms in life. The Bible tells us that, you know, that we have to take the rough with the smooth. But think back to the last time you had a crisis. What did you rely on? And don't get me wrong, God has given us a brain and he expects us to use it. And we all have, you know, strengths that we use. You know, so for example, um, if, if we have a, a challenge in our household, Nam will use his big, enormous brain because that's his strength. Uh, he'll go and read up on something and get information. I, not so much. I, uh, I'll, I'll use my people skills you know, if, if I had a computer problem, I'd be like, Aaron, you know everything there is known about computers. That's your strength. Fix my computer. You know, we all have strengths and we can use our strengths to serve the body. And, and we should. But think about the last time. Where did you go to? In Proverbs, it says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. And lean not in your own understanding, but acknowledge him in all your ways and he will direct your paths. I'm going to read that again, but from the Amplified Version. Proverbs 3 verse 5. Lean on, stand on, trust in, 
and be confident in the Lord with all your heart and mind and do not rely on your own understanding. You see, church, the fact of the matter is we were never meant to do this thing alone. We were meant to have something solid to lean on. We were meant to lean on Jesus. We were meant to lean on God. He is solid and secure, and I'm so glad that didn't fall down. Um, we're meant to lean on each other. That is what community is about. There will be times I'm going to need you, and times, heaven forbid, but you might actually need me. We're meant to do this thing together. God has made us all different and that's what's wonderful about community. You know, church, immaturity is blaming God when we've not relied on God, when we've not been there leaning on him. Let's be people who are mature. Let's be people who know and believe that God wants to help us and he wants us to help each other and our community outside this church. And that he wants us to rely on him for the parking space in Tesco's. And he wants us to invite him into the, the big events, that job interview or that visa that you need to get. He wants to be involved. He wants us to rely on him for all those things. So what's the application? What's the learning point? Maybe some of us, and I very much include myself in this, need to repent of unbelief, of relying on everything but God, of standing on the box, and maybe standing on the box and blaming him when it's all going pear-shaped. But guess what? We have to take some responsibility for that. Because if you're standing on the box and it's going pear-shaped, if you're relying on your own charisma, or you're blaming everybody else, then actually you're not going to get the blessings that God wants to give you. You're not going to get the learning that God wants to give you and the education because you're not placed on the right thing. Let's lean on God. Uh, let's have confidence that we are on solid ground. And so the third one, adhering to God. To adhere means and this is true because this is what the dictionary says, to stick to or to bond. Think of some of the reasons that we stick or we bond to things. Maybe I could have my first picture. So we see here that here's something that's been broken. It's been pulled apart. And one of the devil's tools is division. He likes to pull things apart. He likes to pull families apart. He likes to pull churches apart. He likes to pull things apart. Even within us, he likes to cause inner conflict and you know, make us uh, have this conflict within ourselves and pull us apart. You know, it says in Nehemiah that, that, that God is, and, and it says of Jesus, he is the repairer of walls. And you see, when we are living, believing in him that, yeah, he's got our best intentions, when we're 
standing on that solid foundation. We're leaning and relying on him. We get the Holy Spirit's glue that helps us in times of difficulty. You know, the Holy Spirit brings unity. And where there is unity, guess what? The blessing is commanded. Where there's breakdown, we can see God can bring back together that which has been severed. Maybe I could have my next picture. Awesome, thank you. We're all broken. There is not one person, and I'm speaking in my professional capacity, (laughs) there is not one person on the planet that doesn't have some brokenness on the inside of who they are. Aren't you glad that we have this Holy Spirit glue? Aren't you glad that we have one who can put us back together? And do you know what? When God puts us back together, it's better than it was before. It's not just a patch-up job. It's better than brand new. And I think that is good news. In Isaiah 61, God says, you know, he sent me to bind the brokenhearted. If you have some area of wounding today, can I encourage you, stick close to God. Bond with him. Get close with him. And he will make you better than you. may take time. It often does. But if you stick in the process, it will happen. Maybe I can have the next slide, please. Brilliant. Sometimes, as we're adhering to God... It's a bit like a sticky plaster as he adheres to us. You see, sometimes God will keep us holding still. He will keep us holding still so that an area can be healed underneath that adhesive plaster. He can keep us still so that there can be growth and character that develops. And he can keep us still so that he can protect us You know, if we run ahead, we might miss out on blessing on the the other side. So it's important if you're in a place of being held still, just know it's for your protection, it's for your growth, and it's for your healing. And knowing that can really help you to just be like still in that process and just keep sticking to God. And being near, final picture so there's an old Jewish expression which talks about being covered in the dust of your rabbi and what that means is that you follow so closely to the one who is your your mentor your 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 wisdom and all of that that actually as you're so close to them you get covered in the dust as they walk wouldn't it be nice if we were so suffocated in God that we got covered in his dust imagine like Holy Spirit dust wouldn't that be great I've also got another little analogy. It was very creative. You know, last week when I was lying in bed with COVID, it's like all the creative props came out. Does anybody know what this is? Come on, Nicole, you will know because you're my Ikea queen. 
It's a lint roller. Thank you. And do you know what's great about this? Look. It sticks to stuff. You can tell I really didn't have enough time in my hands. I want to show you something, and I've brought this because I hope this keeps it in your mind. Every day, we have a bit of like a new sticky. When we adhere to God, I can't, I can't reach you, can I, Liesl? No, I can't reach you, can I, Faye? No, because you're not near me. So we need to stay near the lint roller. We need to stay clear to God. Because you know what? As this lint roller rollers, guess what happens to the fluff and nonsense on my dress or in my life? The fluff and nonsense gets stuck. And God takes that. It's called grace. And he takes the stuff and nonsense. And then do you know what? He gives you a brand new sticky for each day. A brand new sticky. I don't know about you, but I need that. I need God every day to remove the fluff and nonsense that goes on in my own head. I need him to remove the fluff and the nonsense so that I can just get on and not live in my past, but look forward to my future. God takes the junk to himself, and I wonder how many of us are robbing ourselves by not adhering to or sticking to God. And so all the fluff and the nonsense, he, it doesn't get taken because we're not walking close with God. So what do we do about this? Practically, can we practice inviting God into our awareness frequently? You know, living in conscious closeness with God so that he can teach us and heal us and restore us. There used to be these wee bracelets called um, What Would Jesus Do bracelets. Do you remember those? And, you know, I know they get a lot of ribbing and everything, but that was just one way of keeping that connection that, you know, I'm filtering this through a God filter in my day-to-day. We can do the staying close through prayer or through, um, you know what, just being fully present in the moment. There's a lovely old hymn that goes, uh, I need thee every hour, stay thou nearby. Temptations lose their power when thou art nigh. Let's keep God close. Let's, let's adhere. Let's, get, let, let, let's allow that, that stickiness to help us in our day to day. And my final point, and this can be a tough one. It can be a tough one for lots of reasons, and that is trusting in God. If you've been brought up in an environment where people who should have been trustworthy weren't, it can be, it can be really challenging. A little thing happened to me last year. I was giving a talk <coughs> at the hospital. And anybody that knows me will know I am a bit of a technophobe. And uh, I was just about to give this talk and um, my computer said, you know, update. Now, I didn't realize by hitting, oh yeah, go ahead and update, that's fine, that for about 10 minutes my computer would be out of action. 
And so, just so you all know, what happens if you hit update on your computer, it goes like this. There's a wee circle that goes round and round and round. And you see when you're just about to give a talk, that's really not what you want. And I had um, prayed about this talk. It was quite a big deal talk. It was to all these doctors. And so my imposter syndrome was like, you know, really rampant. And um, this thing was just going round and round. And I, uh, I, I texted Nam, who was just standing in A&E having coffee and chatting to nurses, because that's all they do around there. And uh, he thankfully came round and I was like, the computer's not working. And, you know, I, was, I had prayed. I would just like to say I had prayed and then texted Nam. And my prayer was something like, Lord, sort the computer out. Anyway, Nam came round. He went, oh, for flip's sake. And I went, what? And he said, it's updating itself. Like I was supposed to know what that meant. And thankfully, his wisdom kicked in. And he said, just give them out and you know, tell them to read that information while you're waiting. And that's what happened. Anyway, <clears throat> on the car on the way home, I had a wee chat with the Lord. And I was like, seriously, Lord? Seriously? You know, I have prayed about that talk. There was so much relying on that talk. And the computer didn't work. And you know, Lord, you know I've got issues with computers. You know that's a big deal for me. And we had a sort of uh, honest chat, shall I say. And you know what? God wants you honest rather than fake. He needs your honesty. Um, anyway, I was really confused more than anything because I really did believe God wanted me to give that talk. And I really was relying on him. And I really was sticking to him. And I really prayed to him in the crisis. And what God showed me the next morning when I was having my prayer time was that my idea of success and how that should have gone was simply not God's and I needed to get over myself frankly and just you know because it didn't fall out in the picture that I had in my head it doesn't matter it happened I got the people that I needed for the research that I was doing and blah 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 and uh, you know it was no biggie what made it a biggie was my reaction so just sometimes, because life isn't going as you think it can go, and there's maybe a disappointment or a thwarting of plans, can I encourage you, keep trusting God, because he is trustworthy. Church, worry is born of a lack of trust. And the fact of the matter is, if we are going to build our trust muscles, we're going to need to take some risks in fact, I would go as far as to say that we're meant to be taking risks. You know, we're not meant to be in a holy huddle here. <laughs> you know, we're meant to be taking risks in life. And we're meant to be being vulnerable before one another. You know, it's okay to be vulnerable. In fact, I would go as far as to say it's in vulnerability that, that, that your strength lies the extent to which you can be vulnerable and risk-taking.
is the extent to which you're going to be able to trust and to know God. You know, the challenge of trust is the sense of vulnerability. And if you look at anybody in the Bible, like Hezekiah or Daniel, who we've just read about, Rahab, Ruth, look, look at the Mary, the mother of God. You know, when she agreed to carry Jesus in her womb, she could have been stoned in that culture of those days. What a risk! Would any of you risk being stoned? I know I would think twice. Wouldn't be my most favorite thing. They risked. In fact, let's just think of Jesus for a second. Is there any more vulnerable position than being spread open on a cross? You see, without darkness, church, we will never know the light. Without struggle, we will never know the strength. And so it's important that rather than run away from things that are uncomfortable or get cross with God when the rough doesn't follow the smooth, it's really, really important that we keep our attitudes straight and make the choice. Because here's the thing, trust is a choice, period. It's not a feeling, It's not a circumstantial thing. You can choose in the same way you can choose to stand on the box or the rock. You can choose to trust. I wonder, are many of us not living in the fullness of blessings? Because as soon as God gives us an opportunity to trust him, we run away. And it's okay. He's okay with you bottling it. He'll give you another opportunity down the line and he's not there to condemn you. He gets it. He gets it. Sometimes we need a few runs at the thing. We need a few trials. So don't beat yourself up about that. If God has given you an opportunity to trust and you bottled it, I've done that. But I really want to encourage you, church. He is for you. He is not against you. He is faithful and we can trust him. Guess what? At all times, no matter what it looks like. Beloved, God wants to bless you. Uh, he, want, he doesn't want you to live in continual disappointment. He wants you to believe in him. Believe that he is what he says he is. He wants you to uh, rely on him, to lean on him, to stick closely to him and allow him to stick closely to you and he wants you to trust him so I'm wanting you today to give careful thought to your ways because I believe that by believing in God by leaning on him by sticking close to him and by trusting in him we will have blessing like we have never known, both individually within this church and and, and corporately. And I don't know about you, but I'm up for a bit of blessing. Are any of you? I'm going to finish with this verse. And it's Psalm 28, verse 7. The Lord is my impenetrable shield and strength. My heart trusts in relies upon and confidently leans on him and I am helped. Therefore, my heart greatly rejoices and with song, I will praise him. Did you get something out of that today?
I hope so. Let's just pray and then I'll, um, we'll do our whatever it is that we're going to do. <laughs> okay, Lord Jesus, I pray that anything um, that would be of my words would just uh, dissipate. But Lord, I pray that everything that is of you will remain. And I pray, Holy Spirit of God, that next time there is a crisis, next time we have a wobbly moment, next time things don't go according to plan, that we would have the wherewithal, that you will bring this talk to our memory, that we would believe in, that we would rely upon, that we would stick close to you and adhere to you, and that we would trust in you, and that we would make the choice to do that. And I ask this in Jesus' name, and I just speak blessing to every person in this room. You know, Lord God, what will bless each individual here. Lord, we've got desires that you've placed on our heart, and I pray, Lord God, for blessing individually, but I also pray a blessing corporately upon this church. And I praise you for what you're doing in the unseen. And I praise you for what you are going to do. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen.